You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host. Welcome to the episode. My name is Brian Carnavali from Harris Beach, and I'm your host today. I'm joined by Dave Clare, leader of the Harris Beach Corporate Practice Group, and John Berman, Harris Beach partner and corporate team member. Today, we're discussing legal housekeeping and due diligence, and Dave and John will discuss their experience in this area of law, supporting clients of all sizes. Dave, John, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Dave, I'll start with you. What are the elements of legal housekeeping and due diligence, and what typically prompts a company to explore these steps? Thanks, Brian. Let me take the second part of that question first. Um, in terms of what uh, what prompts a company to explore these steps, um, usually there's some sort of triggering event. A change of control transaction is contemplated. Maybe you have a, a new shareholder coming on board or a shareholder leaving. There could be a new financing being undertaken by the company, maybe some succession planning. Um, oftentimes, it's as simple as a change in personnel. You bring in a new CFO, a new CEO, they have some questions, they're looking for some documentation, and all of a sudden, you're sort of into a diligence exercise. So, John, if you want to add anything to that, but uh, lots of different ways that you sort of find yourself engaged in diligence of some sort. Yeah, I would agree with that, Dave. You know, I think sometimes there's a tendency for businesses, especially if they're on the smaller side or, or they're, they're fairly new, to delay taking proper documentation and getting prepared for a significant event until there is change of personnel, a big transaction coming up that prompts um, someone to take a closer look at things or be prepared to uh, sort of open their books. You know, ideally there'd be proactive steps taken, but that's not always the case. I agree. And I think the first uh, part of your question, Brian, you know, what are the elements uh, really it spans the gamut from, the organization and structure of the company itself to issues related to tax, intellectual property, financial transactions, Zed instruments, contracts, environmental, so literally uh, across the board. And, you know, if we're involved in sort of a comprehensive diligence exercise, you know, we will typically uh, end up, you know, hitting many, if not all of those areas. And I imagine that maybe no two exercises are the same. So, where might an organization face a particular challenge or where might those pieces pop up during that exercise? Great question. And again, a lot, uh, a lot of times it depends on, you know, why and uh, how you got into the diligence you know, process. If it's, for example, a tax or a Department of Labor audit for some reason, obviously you'll be focused on certain things and your HR practices in the context of a labor audit may be front and center. Stepping back sort of more globally, you know, where do problems exist? Um, oftentimes it's as simple as documentation doesn't exist. Documentation can't be located. You've got inconsistent or inaccurate record keeping, um, especially if we're talking small, closely held businesses in and around the startup phase. Oftentimes the CEO was also the you know, guy who came up with the idea. Maybe he's very good businessman, entrepreneur, maybe he's not great with the tax and accounting. Maybe he's just not sort of a dotting I's, crossing T's 
kind of individual. And, you know, oftentimes one of the issues you have in any process is, is the documentation readily available? Is it accurate? Certainly at a high level. John, I don't know if you want to talk about more specific examples. Yeah, I mean, I think oftentimes when it comes to documentation, it's sort of not followed all the way through. There is an intention to change ownership. There is an intention to document perhaps a transaction between parties who are closely related and affiliate or something like that. And just think there's not an issue right now. And, and the business wants to get right to what they do best, which is actually producing the good or service or what have you. And it's just going to, you know, oftentimes fall by the wayside because it's not an immediate concern, even though, you know, down the line, it could cause an issue. And you had touched on a couple of those typical areas that are reviewed and and some of those issues in in your last answer. You mentioned tax issues, you mentioned labor issues. John, do you want to kind of just provide the gamut of of possibilities and and what are those typical areas that are reviewed during a due diligence exercise? Yeah, I think uh, probably a, a good way to sort of cover a lot of different areas is to talk about an example where you know, there's a company that's looking to perhaps sell its business or take on a, a major investor. And so they're really going to be asked to completely open open their books in a, you know, a wide variety of areas. I mean, we could be talking about, you know, showing their organizational documents, sort of the the constitution, if you will, the certificate of corporation, the, the charter, the corporation bylaws or, or operating agreements for an LLC, showing the capitalization table, showing the stock ownership, things like that. You know, are there prior investors? What are the relationships between main entity and perhaps the landlord who might be you know, an entity that's uh, owned by the, the owners of the, of the business itself? You know, intellectual property, employment, um, sort of general issues, litigation, and, and, and tax. Um, and to kind of get into sort of more specific examples, starting with organizational documents, one of the first issue is making sure you have up-to-date information. Sometimes, you know, there was someone has a record and doesn't realize, oh, we, we passed an amendment to that um, charter that we don't have, or there's an operating agreement that shows ownership that's, that's out of date. You know, maybe uh, family members have been brought on or, or there've been some other changes. You know, sometimes with prior investments, there's not all the securities filings that you need to have, or you don't have the signed documents or the final documents or, or things like that. And, you know, sometimes when you have related parties, you know, getting into that example, you know, you don't have like the lease documented between, you know, the main business, for example, and um, the real estate entity. The owner maybe lent money to the business, but there's not a, a promissory note documenting that. For intellectual property issues, a frequent thing we find is... Um, it's not clear who actually owns the intellectual property. Like if, whether the, uh, the employee who maybe, you know, created the, the intellectual property and, and really it should be the companies, but they haven't documented that transfer. Um, that especially can be an issue with, uh, anything that's, uh, patentable and an invention of, of some sort. Employment issues is, you know, are the employees properly classified? Are they, should they be paid hourly, but they're, they're being paid with a salary Are there overtime issues, things like that. You know, and, and, and certainly, uh, you know, tax issues, you know, I, you know, I think especially in this world where you're not just uh, selling your goods or services where you are, but you're selling it across the, the country and, and, you know, across the world, 
you know, are you properly paying taxes for that? Are you registered in the right places? You know, you know, things like that. I mean, uh, there's any number of, of different issues that can come up and no uh, two companies are the same, but certainly we see some, some patterns there. Yeah. And just to add a couple uh, thoughts onto that, with respect to the intellectual property, we often see uh, consultants engaged to help with creating, you know, source code and developing, you know, some of the technology and architecture underlying the actual product service, you know, business itself. And those sort of aren't always documented in a way that uh, makes clear that those rights have vested in the company. We're also running into a lot of foreign jurisdictional matters. In today's world, most companies sort of aren't just domestic, aren't just located in one state or jurisdiction. Oftentimes they do have investors or independent contractors, consultants, contributors, employees in various uh, jurisdictions, including overseas, where, you know, frankly, the laws and regulations can be a little bit different in around a lot of the, you know, the IP issues uh, and that kind of thing. And the other one is sort of cybersecurity and privacy. You know, there's been obviously uh, a ton of development there. GDPR uh, in the European Union has obviously impacted companies, uh, you know, very material ways. Um, you know, California has a privacy statute. New York has a new privacy statute. Other states across the U.S. have, uh, you know, some in the works. And, you know, we think that's only going to become more of an issue moving forward. So with instances where there may be a, a known issue going into due diligence, what's the best approach for addressing that? More often than not, I think, you know, you'll have two parties who will want to, you know, sort of jointly solve whatever that issue is. Um, and whether it's, you know, a, a non-compliance issue or you're dealing with an estranged equity owner or you've got documentation of IP ownership, you know, oftentimes the parties will sort of, you know, collaborate on that solution is. And at the end of the day, you know, if the due diligence is sort of taking place in the context of a transaction, really it's just an allocation of risk exercise. So once you've identified the potential exposure, then the parties can work together to minimize and to mitigate and appropriately assign risk. So, you know, I do tend to agree that typically transparency um, is in everyone's best interest. And obviously, if the diligence is undertaken in a different sort of context, for example, you know, if you're being audited, you know, by the tax department or the Department of Labor, you know, you want to be answering only what you have to and be sharing only what you have to and make sure you stay in the confines and don't create an unnecessary exposure. But for the most part, you know, we have found in our experience that, you know, if you tackle these things head on, uh, you tend to come to, you know, a resolution that everybody can live with and, uh, and you move on. So when unexpected issues do come up, what happens in those scenarios? I mean, could there be a, a situation when there's an event such as a major investment or full sale? I mean, could a deal potentially fall through with unexpected uh, things arising during diligence? Certainly a possibility, you know, and obviously nobody likes to see a, a deal fall through. If, you, if you've got a willing buyer and a willing seller and they've reached agreement on terms, you know, I think there's a certain... Uh, excitement, if not an expectation of getting that deal to come to fruition and, and to consummate the transaction. But, you know, certainly in diligence, there are issues that arise to the point where the deal could be compromised. And, and whether that means the deal does not get done, whether there's an adjustment to the transaction structure, whether there's a modification of the purchase price, 
will depend to a large extent on you know, the materiality of the issue. And oftentimes the context of the transaction can drive a resolution you know, of the issue. If you've got a, an unresolved piece of litigation that's been hanging around for a couple of years, you know, now you're looking to sell the company, the buyer doesn't want to jump into that, that's going to sort of maybe drive you to settle litigation that otherwise you may have been willing to let you know, sit a little longer. You know, some other issues that we've seen that have caused a decision point in a transaction uh, have dealt with things like unfunded pension obligations, non-compliance with industry regulations and standards. Um, I think we've talked again on the IP ownership and, uh, you know, going back to some of the undocumented or, you know, issues with contracts. We have a lot of companies we represent that are sort of sloppy in their housekeeping and they you know, are asked to disclose all of their contracts and they realize that they haven't done a good job of actually following through and getting contracts signed. Or if they have, they can't locate them. You know, all issues that will have to be worked through, you know, with the buyer. But, you know, to answer your question, Brian, yes, I think it does put some strain, you know, on the potential transaction. And I think, you know, that may cause some sellers to be reluctant to disclose major issues. But I think in most circumstances, it'd be better for the deal to fall through than for there to be some expensive, contentious litigation when the when the issue actually comes to the buyer's attention. And I think your ability to have sort of some creative problem solving to address the issue that uh, has come up in the due diligence process is much improved when you are upfront about the issue before the deal closes as opposed to trying to settle a contentious um, dispute afterwards. So I think... Through this conversation, you've certainly cemented for the audience the importance of regular due diligence and housekeeping. How can the two of you and the corporate team statewide support organizations in that effort? One takeaway I want to I want you know listeners to have here is that there often is going to be an issue. No company is perfect about this. This is more a question of how can we improve? How can the housekeeping be better and be more organized and sort of limit exposure and downside and uh, options later on when, uh, you know, maybe a little late to fix some of these issues. Yeah, I think two ways in which, you know, Harris Beach can really help is similar to the way in which, you know, on an annual basis, a company will go meet with their accountant and they'll sort of walk through, you know, everything from, you know, revenue recognition to old AR to inventory to have a regular cadence where you meet with your attorney so just to walk through who is managing, you know, the, the contract process for your company, who's in charge, who's monitoring things like the lease and when is that coming up for renewal? Or if you have an operating agreement or a shareholder agreement, are people periodically looking at that to see if it still makes sense? Do we have enough insurance in place, chemo insurance, life insurance, disability insurance? In terms of your employee base, you know, has that shifted? Are you using more consultants or independent contractors? Who's contributing to the IP of the company? And whether that's, you know, some sort of annual checklist or whether that's a regular meeting, cadence, the timing, the form is, you know, a little bit sort of dependent and specific to the client. But, you know, there should be some sort of regular, you know, just sort of thinking about this because the last thing you want to do is go 5, 10, 20 years without looking at anything decide you now want to sell your company and realize at the end of the day that you have done, you know, sort of nothing to enhance or preserve the value of what you actually have through the failure to sort of, uh, you know, maintain all these formalities through the years. 
I'd like to thank Dave and John for joining us today. For more information, visit harrisbeach.com corporate. While you're there, you can contact Dave and John, sign up for legal alerts, and learn more about the statewide team. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to catch future episodes related to the challenges and opportunities impacting private and closely held businesses. Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.